Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Do you get it? I'm not against divorced people. God loves divorce. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about if we become just like the world, we have nothing to offer them. That's what doesn't happen in the persecuted church because they're so busy just trying to survive and study and we're not going to be inward fight. We're, we're going to be fussing. We're, we're trying to figure out how to have church next week, wouldn't we? It's exactly what we would do because we want to take it to the streets. So the only way that works is to take the message in the ministry of Jesus to the streets, listen, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sadly, the divorce rate in the church is nearly as bad as the world. This is just a symptom of a deeper problem. In today's message, Pastor Mark warns us that if we're too much like the world, then people in the world will never respect us enough to listen to us. We have to show them something different. We have to have something better to offer them. As Pastor Mark shares, if we were in a country where persecution was rampant, things would be different. We wouldn't be caught up so much in the distractions of this world. Are you ready to show the world a different Christianity? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, Why Church? Walls, no walls. What is the battle about? It's simply souls. See, if people don't change, if your husband, your wife, your children, your relatives, your uncle, your aunt, your neighbor, your co-student, wherever, if they don't change kingdoms, they spend eternity in hell. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse because it's forever. So it's not about buildings. It's not about the name of a church. It's not about numbers of people. It's about one thing, the souls of men and women. Now, verse 19 is an interesting verse. Jesus says this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent power, authority, uh, delegated authority. What Jesus is saying is keys open doors. So Jesus says, I'm giving you the authority to open the doors of faith to people's lives. And you're going to do that with the message and also the ministry. You're going to help the poor. You're going to do all this. And that's going to open doors for you. So how does that actually work? Look at Mark verse 15. And he told them, go. Notice he didn't say, stay within the four walls of the church. Be comfortable. Be protective. No, he says what? Go, take it to the streets, go into all the world, and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. Then as you do that with a key, you open their eyes and you go, hey, you're in this kingdom. You want to change? 
Who wouldn't want to change? Yeah, I want to change. How do I do it? Let me show you. I'm going to unlock the secrets of God's word to you. Now you have to choose. Notice, even after we do that, people have to choose. Here's what it says. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. They'll be born again. They'll be changed in the kingdom. But he who refuses to believe, in the original language, it really means this, remains condemned. You remain in the kingdom of Satan. So even after we give the opportunity, people have to take a choice. So what is he saying about these keys? Who has these keys? Well, initially, Peter has these keys. And then in Matthew 18, 18, Jesus repeats the same statement to all the 12 disciples. And then in Matthew 28, 18, and 20, he repeats it for all of us. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it to you. You're the people on the streets. On the day of Pentecost, Peter had the keys. He preached, he opened the doors of faith to the Jews, a little while later to the Samaritans, a little while later to the Gentiles. Today, every person in this room, every believer has the keys, the authority, the power from God to share the gospel and open the doors of salvation to our friends and our relatives and our neighbors and our classmates. We say to them, here's how you can change kingdoms. Here's how you can do life. I have the answer for you. It's all found right here. And then Jesus Well, he gives us a strange term that we're not very familiar with. They were familiar in those days. Look at verse 19 and 20. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. What does that mean? Listen, I think I can explain it to you. I have the authority to declare what it takes to be forgiven and what it takes not to be forgiven. I have the authority because what has been decided in heaven is what I have written in the word of God. So Christians don't determine what's right or wrong. The church doesn't determine what's right or wrong. God has already determined it in heaven. We simply recognize the truth of the Bible and God says, this is wrong, this isn't wrong. This can be forgiven, that can't be forgiven. By the way, there's only one sin that can't be forgiven. It's called the unpardonable sin. And all that simply means is this. If you continue to refuse to change kingdoms, God will one day say to you, have it your way. And you will spend eternity separated from him. You say, well, what kind of a God is that? A God who has lots of patience, but one day will draw the line. So see, I don't determine that. I can't determine that. I'm a man. So Christians, simply, we just go to people. So what does binding and loosing mean here? It just has to do with the people responding or rejecting the message of the gospel. Let me share with you. I think I can make it very clear to you. When you and I present the gospel, there's two options. People can either say, I want to change kingdoms, I want to become a Christian, or I don't want to be. That's the bottom line. So when a person, let's say I'm uh, having a a time to be a, a share with a person, and they're right here and I'm sharing with them. And I say to them, you know, John, if you will ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, you can change kingdoms. And John, I have to say this to you because the Bible says, if I'm in the kingdom of Satan, I'm bound Make sure you understand that. I'm bound in sin. I'm in bondage to sin. You say, well, the Bible doesn't say that. John 8 says, anyone who sins 
is in bondage to sin. So if I'm in the kingdom of Satan, I'm not free to live my life. I must respond to the dictates of Satan. Do you get it? Bound. So if I say to this person, would you like to be a Christian? And they say, oh, I'd love to be a Christian. I'd like to change kingdoms. Here's what I say. On the authority of God's word, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in heart, I'm going to say to you, you are loosed. You are loosed from the kingdom of Satan and free to enter the kingdom of God and you'll spend eternity in heaven. So you say, man, you're pretty powerful. You're able to say that person's forgiven. No, I didn't say they were forgiven. They've already forgiven because what has already been determined to be forgiven was determined in heaven. Does it make sense? So man doesn't do this. God already told us what it takes to be forgiven. Confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. And then I have the privilege of saying to that person, uh, you're not bound anymore. You're not bound to sin and all kinds of stuff that's happening. It's very simple. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? She was brought in and the Jewish leaders brought her in and she was caught very right in the act of adultery. And the Jews wanted to stone her. Jesus said to the Jewish leaders, uh, if you don't have any sin, that's fine, cast the first stone. Well, nobody cast stone, they walked away, obviously. Then Jesus said to the lady, uh, where's your condemner? She looked around, she said, there's nobody here to condemn me. What was Jesus saying to her? You recognize who I am now. You want to change that? You don't want that lifestyle of prostitution anymore, do you? No, I announce to you that you are no longer bound. You are free. And he says to her, what? Go and sin no more. She couldn't believe it. Well, that's what grace is. That's what grace is. So I do what Jesus does. And if you pray that prayer, I can say to you, not on my power, any of you can say that. You're no longer bound. You're free. Now, what if... I said there's always two responses. What if this individual in front of me, like the rich young ruler, rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him, boom, 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 what should I do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, you have to went through all these things. And bottom line was this, you give up all your money because that's what's keeping you from coming to me. And it says the rich young ruler turned and walked away. Now he was rich, but he turned and walked away. You know what Jesus was saying to him? On the authority of God's word, you remain bound in your sin. You're in bondage to your sin. And in fact, it says Jesus was sad. Why? Because he made the wrong choice. So if a person, if this morning we're here and, and you refuse to accept God's offer, and now I basically wouldn't say that to you, but once in a while I will, lovingly, with lots of heart, I say, do you realize what you just did? You've chosen to remain bound in sin. What is bound in heaven is bound on earth. Unless you change, you will never enter the kingdom of God. See, this is pretty serious stuff, isn't it? But it's really what it's about. It's not like, did you come to church three times or whatever? Did you put some money in the offer? It's not about that. It's about our souls. So this spiritual battle is fought inside the walls. Yes, it is. This spiritual battle is also fought in the hearts of men. And we are on the offensive. We take this message into the streets. And as we go, we know that Satan is going to be there. And he's going to begin to attack us. As we take it to the streets... Satan wants to keep his people bound. He is not on the defensive. It's amazing that the church could be on the defensive, isn't it? We're supposed to be on the offensive. We take it to the streets. Well, Satan's on the offensive. How do I know? It says he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And as he does that, he loves it because he has them in his kingdom. Now, 
Let me ask you a question. When Satan goes on the offensive, would he rather attack the church from, which is you, from the inside or the outside? But I want you to understand there's two ways he attacks the church. You'll see in a moment, it'll be very clear to you which way Satan prefers to go. So as we take it to the streets, he is going to attack from the inside, inside these walls. He's also going to attack from the outside, attacking the church from the outside. Now, let's review a minute, just quickly. Jesus said, I'm leaving. When I leave, you're the church. You take it to the streets. When I go to the streets, what can I expect? Well, there's going to be spiritual warfare. When there's spiritual warfare, he's going to attack me uh, from the outside, persecution, all kinds of stuff. And from the inside, all kinds of stuff. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because when Jesus took the ministry to the streets, notice what it says, John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind and hated me first. So if I take the place of Jesus, I'm going to expect some opposition. John 15, 20. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And the early church is just a beautiful picture of this. Immediately after the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost is formed, right after that, persecution, persecution, persecution. You get to Acts chapter 8, it says, on that day, great persecution broke out against the church and they were scattered everywhere. So spiritual warfare, taking it to the streets, is normative and unavoidable. Absolutely, we have to prepare for it. We don't get defensive, we don't get worried about it, we're going to overcome, it's going to be okay. Now... Back in 1991, Linda and I visited this church. We were celebrating our 25th anniversary, and we went all over to Japan and all kinds of places, and we just had a great time. We went to stop in Hong Kong, and we filled Bibles and, and hymnals in our backpacks and smuggled them into China. We know the church we were going to. We took this train. Now, they told us when we did this, the worst thing that can happen to you is they'll discover your books when you're going through security and they'll maybe detain you for hours and hours and hours. They won't hurt you, but they'll probably take the books away from you and just have to come back. So we had all our backpacks and loaded and we're going to China, never been to China before. Hong Kong was still part of themselves. They were separate. And we went on the train and we got there and we got off the train and we saw this huge line in security. And as I looked at the line, I said to my wife, look at they're stopping every person and opening their luggage. And I'm thinking, we're dead. I says, we got to pray. So we prayed. And we're nervous. We're scared. And out of the corner of my eye over here, I noticed a scanner where you can put your stuff and the person looks at it. Well, other people weren't doing that. We're doing it. The scanner's running. But there's nobody looking at the scanner. (laughs) So we just quietly step back, put our stuff on there and walk right through, picked it off the scanner and walked right out the door. It's a, it's a miracle. It's absolutely a miracle. And next week I'll show you, I found my little video thing. We had to find, we had to go at night and find this house church, which was three stories. Pastor Lamb had been a minister there. He'd already been in prison more than 20 years for preaching the gospel. Church history shows us when there's persecution from the outside, the church always grows. It's exactly what happened in the book of Acts. Notice what happened. He says, when we're persecuted, 400, 900. Then they come in and rip out all, I was there. That's why we smuggle Bibles. Because they took all their Bibles, they took all their tapes, they took all their, their churches on three stories with little cameras in all the different rooms in them. And they stole it all. 
So what happens? They go to 1,200. You say, well, that's impossible. No, that's exactly what happens. So what is he saying about the Western world? That's where you and I live. What is he saying about us? What's our problem? Well, Mark chapter 4 says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches make us useless. So it's becoming like the world is the problem. Understand, inside the church, what does he use? For those of us that are Christians, what does he use? Notice, Satan uses disunity. We fight with each other. He uses carnality. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul has to say to the church, nobody's reading their Bible, nobody's growing, they're playing at church, they're all spiritual babies. They have nothing to take to the street. This is killing us. He uses doctrinal error. How many churches we go in today that you would never hear the word sin? You would never hear about the two kingdoms? You wouldn't hear that there's a kingdom where it ends in hell? You know, and you just don't believe the Bible. You can't believe the Bible, whatever. So he just dilutes the word and the people don't know the truth. And then, of course, apathy, cares of this world. See, before long, and now we have the little uh, football thing starting up and all the kids' clubs and our kids go back to school and all this thing and now mom and dad are busy and whatever. And we, well, you know, we just, we'll get to church whenever we can get there. Is that true of our world? Well, sure it's true of our world. Come on, be honest. Sure it's true for all of us. Now, if you're fighting for your life, you don't even think about that in the persecution because you don't even know if you're alive tomorrow or you're going to be in prison again. So there's not an apathy There's a danger, and that danger gives zeal to God. And then, of course, the Church of America and much of the world is form, nice form, nice building, zero power. Nobody says, you have alcoholism, you have a demon, you have a sexual problem, you have a sin problem, God can cure it right now. You say, well, I don't believe that. Then you don't believe the Bible. We have the authority to say that. God can break any power of sin like that in your life. And if the church can't say it, God help us. You're going to go to the 12-step deal for life? No. God has a one-step program and he changes it right now. And we have to believe it. Because it's true. It's true. Now, let me show you these four ways quickly. What ways are going to change the church? What is going to take place? Only one of these will do it. Let me ask you, is Satan afraid of a church where the members isolate themselves from the world Is he afraid of a church where people isolate themselves in the world, put on their spiritual mask, don't want to be contaminated? Pastor Mark, you want us to go to the streets? Those people are sinners. Hello? Yes. What did Jesus do? He touched the unclean. If I'm going to do what he did, I'm going with compassion. Number two, you think the church can make harsh and condemning statements about the world? Well, man, look at those people. They got this and they got that. Forgetting that they're not the enemy, that's why we go to the streets. By the way, where did you come from? The streets. That's where I came from. I came from the kingdom of Satan. I needed somebody to say to me, hey, you can be free. I took the opportunity. Do you think the church can do this? And this is the worst one we have, all of us struggle with this, myself included. Do you think a church that squeezes itself, Satan squeezes us, so that when I go to the street, I'm just as carnal, I just have as many problems, I can't control my mouth, I can't control my temper, I cheat, I steal, desperate housewives, whatever, having affairs, I'm just like the people I'm ministering to. What do I have to offer them? Absolutely nothing. That's why Jesus said the church should be holy. 
Not perfect. Let me give you an example. In here, in the Bible, we have a pattern to make marriages successful. So the church says, hey, we've got the answer to marriage problems. God can help you and here's how you can do it. And then the person says, oh, really? What's the divorce rate in your church? Well, it's the same as in the world. You know what we just lost? Every ounce of credibility. Do you get it? I'm not against divorced people. God loves divorce. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about if we become just like the world, we have nothing to offer them. That's what doesn't happen in the persecuted church because they're so busy just trying to survive and study and we're not going to be inward flight. We're going to be fussing. We're trying to figure out how to have church next week, wouldn't we? It's exactly what we would do because we want to take it to the streets. So the only way that works is to take the message in the ministry of Jesus to the streets, listen, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what will change it. That's what Jesus did. We'll see more of that next week. Now, There's only two things that shouldn't change in a church. One's Christ, the other one's change. You say, how can the internet reach out to people? God has no problem working through the internet. Come on. Doesn't have to be live. The church of God will prevail. We're on the winning team. And we are making a difference. Now, in the midst of all of this, you are either in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of Satan. You are either walking with God or away from God. You are either forgiven or guilty. You are either bound or free. You are either going to heaven or on your way to hell. You are either wise or foolish. Which kingdom are you in? You see, you'll never get your life straightened out until you change kingdoms. I have two keys for you. The first key Jesus gave He spoke to Nicodemus. He said to Nicodemus, a very religious man, and Ness, you're born again. You see it. You can't see the kingdom of heaven. You'll never get to the kingdom. Doesn't matter how religious you are. What does born again mean? It simply means that Nicodemus had to say, I'm a sinner. My good works won't do it. I asked Jesus, you went to the cross for me. I put my faith in you. I want to begin to follow you. Change me. If you'll do that, the second key is here's what God does. He says, for Jesus has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. See, Jesus goes and he rescues you from the kingdom of Satan. Notice, and he's brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's rescued us from hell and brought us into the kingdom of heaven. And God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven our sins. It's something you can't do, but you must choose to be rescued. You see, when that rescue force goes in, And if they go in there, you must say, I'm ready to be rescued. He's at the door of your heart now. Will you be rescued? Will you say yes to Jesus? If you will, by the way, anyone can change kingdoms, but you have to choose for it. He's done everything to do. He's gone to the cross. He's changed our lives. And that's the message we take to the streets. Now, who wouldn't want to be rescued? Someone that doesn't get it. But you get it. You see, church is not a game. It's your life. Today, Pastor Mark shared the sobering truth that there are really only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Everyone is born into the kingdom of Satan and must be born again. Also, he shared how Satan attacks the church from within by arguing, fighting, dissension, and division, trying to destroy the church's witness. Finally, he challenged us by asking us to consider how we're impacting our world for Jesus Christ. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. The church is a living organism made up of all those who have trusted Christ for salvation. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will share with us that Christianity is really not that complicated. It's following Jesus Christ. The key word is follow. That means we don't lead. He'll share with us that following Jesus is a series of commitments, such as denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus daily. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear Your 